Let's pray to God. Father in heaven, it is such an honor to talk to you. It is such a privilege in your spirit and through the blood of Jesus that we can come before you and there's nothing, God, between us. But we can come before you and talk to you and know you and have conversations with you and become like you and dream with you and dream for you, Father. We can, God, we can fully, uh, fully take hold of the life that is truly life. Father, please bless tonight. Please help us, God, never to get used to or too overly familiar with opening up the Scriptures because, God, we know that in the Scriptures there's life for us, there's wisdom for us, there's direction for us, there's inspiration for us. God, help us to grab hold of it tonight. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I want you to think about Jesus here for a second. And I want you to do a little exercise with me. So when you think of Him, what is one word that to you describes Jesus. Just one word. When you think about Him, and who He was, and how He led, and how He lived, and how He loved, what word do you write down in your paper? What word comes to mind? Who wants to share? Back here, yep. Compassion. Awesome, yes. Authority. Authority. Great. Strength. Compassion, authority, strength, yes. I'm sorry? Meekness. Forgiveness. So it's forgiveness. (laughs) Yes. Freedom. Awesome. Yes. Love. Love. Okay, so we got love. We got freedom. We got forgiveness and strength and compassion. Yes. Savior. Yes, awesome. Amazing. Amazing. You know, there's so many great words. I mean, those are six or eight words. What amazing words. And one of the things we're going to talk about tonight is the one simple habit that Jesus teaches us. It's not complicated. It's simple. It's something everybody here can do so that your life and my life can be described by those same words. But first, what I want to talk about a little bit here is a simple fact. And that fact is this, is that God created you for greatness. God created you for greatness. And don't say He didn't. You don't want to mess with God. You don't want to say, no, you didn't. You don't want to take something that God made and say, oh, that's not meant for greatness because God says it is. Listen to this. Genesis chapter 1. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in the likeness, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over the, over the, over the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Let that, so God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. 
And when God got done creating all this awesome stuff, He looked back and He said, this is very good. And He looks at you, and He looks at me, and He says, that is very good. That's my son. That's my daughter. That's a miracle that I've created. You know, really we are, each one of us, walking miracle machines. I mean, you are such a complex, such a miraculous piece of creation that scientists and experts and physicists and all the other people, they don't get us yet. They don't understand how humans can actually be human. I mean, think about it. You have a heart. And your heart is the seed of things, the seed, the seed of things called emotions. You are a creature that is able to love and to love deeply. You are a creature. You are created by God to be able to have hope and aspiration. You can have things like courage and compassion and empathy for your fellow man, for God. You can connect on an emotional level, on a heart level. You have a heart. And God created that heart in you. And it's precious. It's priceless. It's a miracle machine. God can create miracles from your heart. Think about it. Your soul. You know, you can have, you and I can have beliefs. We can have aspirations. We can dream about the future. We can consider eternity. We can reason and talk with God. We can have a vision. We have inside of us this sense of, of heaven. And God put that in there. And it's inexplainable. You know, I had a really good friend of mine die literally in my arms. And I saw the life pass from him before, before my eyes. And it was, and here in, in, before, one second before, there was life. There was spirit in this body. One second later, it was there no more. And it was just like a piece of flesh. The Spirit is a mystery. The Spirit is priceless. The Spirit is in you. The Spirit wants to work miracles into your life. Think about it, your mind. we got this piece of gray mush inside of our skull. And they, people don't know how it works. You can put all the computers, all the computing power, all together that we have all throughout the earth, and it wouldn't be even close to as powerful as what's right inside of your head right now, your brain, your mind, the potential, the capacity, the miraculous power that your mind has to create, to imagine, to build things that don't exist yet, to by faith create things because you believe. That's your mind. Our minds are amazing. We can learn. We have an intellect. We can discover. We can be curious. We can research. We can understand. But that's your mind. That's what's inside your mind. Is that incredible? You and I are miracle machines. When the rest of creation looks at us, they go, wow, what a miracle of God. What a creation of God. We were created for greatness. And you think about your body. You know, there's 37 trillion cells in your body. 37 trillion! You know, Apple just became a trillion dollar company. But there's 37 little apples inside of you. 37 trillion cells. And in each one of those cells, there's nuclei. In each one of those cells, there's DNA. In each one of those cells, there's a map of who you are. 
a perfect map. 37 trillion times inside of you. Some of you want to be a ruler of an army. Well, you got an army of 37 trillion souls to rule inside of you. That's the leader that God has called you to be. That's the body that He's given to you. And it all works together. Hormones and enzymes and nerves and all this stuff, blood, that works together to form you and to form me. You're a miracle. God has created you for special stuff. God has created you for greatness. And God is calling out to each one of us to not take that for granted. But to live that life. We get one amazing, priceless, miraculous life. Let's make it incredible. Let's make it incredible. Because we can. Because we get to. So we get this extraordinary life. We get to go on this extraordinary adventure. But here's the challenge. Is we so easily get lost, don't we? We so easily get confused. We so easily see a bright and shiny thing over there. We start chasing after it and we go right down the rabbit hole. We don't even know where we are. We get messed up by sin and fear and darkness ego and pain and we get off track sometimes we find ourselves so lost it's like the Bible says in Isaiah 59 where it talks about talks about we're like a, a blind man just feeling our way along the wall of life trying to figure it out and it's no wonder that so many people give up it's no wonder that people even with the miracle machine cash in and say, what's the use? Because we lose our way and life becomes, life becomes confusing. Life becomes depressing. Life becomes dark. Life loses its meaning. It's so a shame because there's so much potential. Now I wanted to do a little test with us tonight. It's a simple test. And I wanted us to go ahead and close our eyes for a moment. And we're not going to do anything scary. Don't worry. <laughs> but I have a compass in my hand. Okay, your eyes closed? I have a compass in my hand. And the compass tells me where north is. So I want you to point to where you think north is. Don't open your eyes. Okay, point to where you think north is. Okay, go ahead and open your eyes. <laughs> so how right were you? How many people got it? Raise your hand if you got it. Like let's say that north was kind of sort of that, that, that second pillar that right there over there. How many people got it? Okay, so maybe maybe forty or fifty of us got it. How many people are pointing that way? <laughs> or that way. Or that way. You're going, North? I have no idea even where I am. Where... What block am I on? What street am I on? You know, it's funny because that's how life is. We really lose, we lose an understanding. We get disoriented. Okay, we don't know where true north is anymore. We, we don't know where, where north is. We don't have our compass. And so we get lost. 
And we start wandering off. Oh yeah, over here is north. And we kind of get confused. We say to our friend, well, do you know where north is? And they're like, oh no, it's not that way. It's this way. Go this way. And then we listen to the internet, you know, the internet experts on everything you know, they're talking about. And they say, no, 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 it's this way. How do you know? How do you know where north is? Well, that's what we're going to talk about a little bit tonight. Here's the thing. If you get disoriented, don't let that surprise you. Don't let that scare you. We all get disoriented. We all get off track. You know, it's interesting because I've read in some places that, that airlines, planes, when they're flying, are off track, off course, 99% of the time. I've read in other places that they're on, it's, it's, like, it's at least 90% of the time they're off track. So somewhere in there, between 90 and 99% of the time, a plane that you're riding in is off course. You think you're going to Orlando, you're really going to L.A. And so what do we hope that the pilot does? Well, we hope he doesn't like cry tears about being off course, because that's just normal. That's how it is when you're flying a plane. We hope he looks at the instruments and he gets us back on track, right? He looks at the instruments and he gets us back on track. Two minutes later, we're off track. Don't freak out. Don't worry about it. Don't be surprised. Just get us back on track, please. Because I need to be in Orlando by 3 o'clock this afternoon or whatever it might be. You know, that's how it is in our lives. We get off track all the time. But that's why we need Jesus so bad. He's our guide. He's our teacher. He knows where true north is. He's been there. He's been through all the, all the treacherous things that happened between here and... And the other side, he's been through the pain, he's been through the confusion, he's been through the opposition, he's been through the challenges, and he made it all the way there, and you know what? He's come back to get us. And he's not just talking from theory, he's not just talking from, you know, having a PhD, he's been there. And now he's coming back to guide and to help and to befriend you and me. And He's earned our trust, hasn't He? We don't just know that He knows the stuff and He knows the right information. We know that He loves us. We know that He has our best interests in mind. We know that He knows who we are and what we struggle with. And He's been there and He, and he sympathizes with our weaknesses. He, he knows how to, to get over those challenging humps and to get us all the way there. And He's willing to put up with us to forgive us 70 times, 7 times, and even more. And to keep saying, hey, we're going to get there. Let's just keep making the adjustments. Let's just keep getting back. But we've got to be in Orlando by 3 o'clock this afternoon. Let's keep it moving. Look over in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. So we need a guide, don't we? We need a guide because we get off track so easily. You ever heard of a Sherpa? You know, if you ever, if you ever aspire to, a, you know, to climb the Himalayas, then you're going to need a Sherpa. And a Sherpa is a, is a native person who's grown up in the area who knows how to get there, who's been there many times. A Sherpa is a servant. A Sherpa is a servant leader. And so a Sherpa meets you kind of at a certain point in your, in your climb to Mount Everest, and he says, hey, stick with me. I'll even carry some of the load, and we're going to get there. You've been training, right? You're ready for this trip, right? The air gets pretty thin up there. You know that, right? 
Well, let's go. And even as we are aspiring to do great things in our life, Jesus wants to be our Sherpa. To even carry some of the load. But He knows the trail. He knows it like the back of His hand. And He's going to get us there if we're willing to train with Him. You know, I was in, uh, when I lived in Japan, I lived there for three, four years. I lived there for three years the first time after college, and then another year with, uh, with my family, which was a, it was a, it was a family changing. Both times were transformational for me. It helped me so much in my faith. It helped me so much to understand who Jesus is and how He speaks to the human condition. Jesus isn't just speaking to Americans. He's speaking to human beings of all time, of any race, of any culture, of any background, of any circumstance. Jesus is speaking to them. It was so cool. To be able to sit down and study the Bible with someone who had no previous understanding of Jesus and to see their life change. And I'm going to tell you some of those stories here in a little bit. But I met a guy one time on campus at Wasati University. And I was talking with him. It's uh, Wasata is one of the top universities in Tokyo, in Japan. And uh, we were talking. He says, hey, you're talking about this guy Jesus, huh? I said, uh, yeah, Jesus. And he said, you know, uh, my, my teacher, he took out this book because he was his Buddhist in his background. He belonged to one of the Buddhist sects there in, uh, in Japan. And he says, you know, my teacher speaks about Jesus too. And he opened up his book and he said, you know, my teacher says that Jesus was the most powerful spiritual being to ever walk the earth. And it made me think that, you know, if you're going to have a conversation about life, if you're going to have a conversation about anything spiritual, you've got to talk about Jesus. He's the king of the hill. He stands alone. He's the boss man. He's the only guy that predicted how he would die multiple times in detail, who said he would be dead not just for a few moments, but for three days. He would go through a public killing so everybody knew he was dead. And he'd come back to life. 500 people witnessed it. Men lived lived to tell about it. You know, in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, the first thing they were talking about wasn't, hey, Jesus was a really good guy. They were talking about Jesus rose from the dead and we are all witnesses of a fact. Let's talk about it. They were bold. They were changed. Because Jesus did what no one else has ever done. No scholar, no businessman, no billionaire. He rose from the dead. You know, dead in death we become all equal. There's no rich dead people. There's no smart dead people. But you'll notice through history, there's about 145 billion people who've lived. Every single one of us is equal. Because we all die. We all succumb to this thing called physical death. It conquers everybody. But then there's this guy who came along. And he he really wasn't much. He was just from this little town. People didn't even know where it was. Had kind of a, you know, kind of a bad reputation. Jesus comes along, but in Him was life. And that life was the light of men. So sure enough, everybody's equal, but there's one guy that's standing. And it's Jesus. And you say, hey, you know what, guys? I've kind of proven myself right here. I've kind of proven the wisdom that I'm speaking with. I'm not talking about short term. I'm talking about eternity. I'm talking about life. I'm talking about how to do it well. And you know, you'd really benefit from listening to me. You really benefit from letting me be your guide as you go up Mount Everest. 
You know, based on Jesus' teaching, hospitals have formed. Universities have formed. Human, the idea of human rights, women's rights, children's rights, civil rights, comes from this guy Jesus. Governments have been born because of the teaching and the life of Jesus. Art, the most, the most painted person, personality in the history of man is Jesus. Even though we don't have any pictures of him. He's got a whole genre of music in his name. It's called gospel music. The book about his life is the bestseller of all time. Jesus said he had all power and authority. He had power over nature. He had power over the spiritual world. He had power over the material world. He had power over disease. He had power over the death, over death. And he wants to be your Sherpa. How about it? Say, well, it's hard hanging out with Jesus. It's a lot of hard work. He's going to train me tough. He's going to say, let's go, even when I'm tired. He's not going to put on my excuses. Nope. Because He knows you're created for greatness. And He can get you there. He knows you're created and you can climb all the way to the top of that Mount Everest. And we're going to get there if we do it together. Jesus is amazing. But there's a habit that's at the core of all this. And we're not going to be able to squirm out of this habit. So I don't know if you guys want me to read about this habit or not. Because we're all going to leave here with no excuses. Okay, we're not going to be able to say, well, you know my background. We're not going to be able to say, well, I'll get to it manana. We're not going to be able to say, well, you know, I've got physical limitations. Because this has has to do with nothing, none of those things. This is a habit that we can all forge in our life that guarantees greatness. Are you guys ready? Okay, Matthew chapter 7. Let's listen to what the big dog says, okay? Verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Okay, Jesus is getting real right here. It's the end of the, of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has been talking about some real stuff. He sees some people kind of squirming out of the crowd. He sees some people saying, Lord, Lord. And kind of depending on their words and their flattery. Depending on sort of their church attendance. Kind of showing up, saying, oh yeah, I got my badge. I got my, I got my license right here. It says Lord on it. He's saying, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now listen. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? You know, so often we judge religion on sort of the, um, on sort of the show, don't we? You've got the powerful preacher who's all over Instagram. And he's wowing the crowd. And he's firing up the people. But even Jesus says, I'm totally unimpressed. It's not what I'm looking for at all. You can be the most powerful preacher. The most downloaded preacher in the history of the world. And still be lost. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? So he then says here, he goes, he goes, and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles. 
You know, I was talking about us being a miracle machine a little bit earlier, but you know, that's kind of more like the sort of the, 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 the internal miracles that are happening in our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But I don't know many of us who are miracle workers who can raise the dead and heal the sick. I mean, that's pretty impressive. These people are saying, wow, I preach to like a lot of people. I do a lot of miracles. I drive out demons. Surely that's proof of my spirituality, right? Look at what Jesus says. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. You know, in Ephesians 4.16, it says something simple. It's one of my favorite verses about the church. It says, From Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, He said, it's simple, you know, you know, you know my disciples. It's easy to tell my disciples. They love one another. So, you know, these are the kind of things that Jesus is pointing us towards. He's not pointing us towards sort of the Madison Avenue showboat style of religion. He's pointing to who you and I are. And do we know Him? Are we walking with Jesus? Are we training with Jesus every day? You know, a simple, a simple uh, definition of a disciple of Jesus, of a follower of Jesus, is someone who is training with Jesus. Someone who's in training with Jesus. Picking up our cross every day. He says, if anyone come after me, must deny himself. Because that's where the good stuff is. That's where the good stuff is. When we start getting in shape spiritually. When we start getting in shape mentally. And we stop giving in to all this, all this negative, faithless thoughts. And we get in shape. We get healthy mentally. Wow, that's where the life is. We start getting healthy emotionally. We're facing pressure in difficult times. And instead of giving in to fear, instead of getting into negative emotions, we go towards relationship. And we go towards connection. And we go towards love. That's where the good stuff is. And Jesus is trying to help us get there. To know Him. To become like Him. So in verse 34, here's the habit. Therefore, everyone... Now I want you to underline for a second that word, everyone. Because it doesn't matter your religious background. Everyone. doesn't matter your race or your color. Everyone. doesn't matter if you're male or female. Everyone. It doesn't matter your circumstances or your background. Everyone. Underline it. You and me. Everyone. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man, a wise woman who built their house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. But it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine does not put them into practice. It's like a foolish, a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. What a waste. What a waste of a life. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at His teaching because He taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. Brothers and sisters, we get to follow the one who has authority. We get to not just sort of limp through life, we get to run through life. 
We get to fly through life. We get to fulfill the potential that we have in our lives because we follow Him. Here's the habit. And it comes with a guarantee. If you will hear and practice, it's two steps. If you will hear and practice Jesus' words, you will flourish. You will thrive in life. You will thrive in your relationships. You will thrive in your impact on this dark world. Jesus will raise you up. Your foundation becomes strong. You become healthy in heart, soul, mind, and body. Your life is built on something that's firm. It doesn't doesn't wash away when trouble comes. But it stands firm. Because it's deeply rooted. Like it talks about in Jeremiah 17. It's flourishing even when He comes. Its leaves are green. Has no worries in a year of drought. And never fails to bear fruit. You know, it's interesting because in Luke chapter 6, in Luke chapter 6, Jesus talks about the same thing. Everyone who comes and hears my words and puts them into practice. In Luke chapter 8, verse 21, his mom and his brothers came to the house. And this is really interesting. You've got to look this up next time. Luke 8, 21. They say, hey, Jesus, your mom and your brothers are outside. They want to talk to you. And Jesus says something kind of radical. He says these words. He says, those who hear God's Word and put it into practice are my brothers and my sisters and my mothers. He was even getting tough on Mary. He was kind of laying it down on James. I'm sure it kind of ticked them off a little bit. He's saying, hey mom, it's time to get serious. It's not enough just to be religious. It's not just not enough just to show up. I know you love me. I know you're concerned about me. But mom, it's time to start hearing God's Word and put into practice. What do you say? That's where the good stuff is. Let's do this. How about it, Mary? She kind of, you know, she's kind of checking it out for a while. She came around because she saw the life of Jesus. I want to start with Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 and verse 39. It says, He also told them this parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? How about it? Can a blind man lead a blind man? Well, yeah, he can. They just both fall into the pit. It seems like the answer should be no, right? But yeah, a blind man can lead a blind man. He says, will, they both, will not they both fall into a pit? You know, that's really, in a sentence, the challenge with this world we live in. Blind men are leading blind men. And it's so tempting, isn't it, for us to be blind men who follow other blind men. Someone becomes kind of famous on the internet. He's like, how they have all the answers? Seems like they're making a million dollars. And they say, hey, three easy steps, you can make a million dollars too. And you're like going, okay. I want to listen to him. But it didn't take long for the blind men to be just leading the blind men. They just kept going over the cliff. Into the pit, into the pit, into the pit. Why do we go there? We got Jesus. We got Jesus. We got the one who came to open the eyes of the blind. 
We got the one who guarantees success. We got the one who rose from the dead. He's not just talking about making a million dollars. He's talking about rising from the dead, knowing God, living for the reason that you were that you were created. You know, it's crazy because we don't respect the people that make the billion and million dollars anyway. You know, when we think of the great people that have lived, we think of people like Nelson Mandela. We think about people like Gandhi. Think about people like Mother Teresa. We think about these kind of people. Why? Because they just did what Jesus said. They served. They used their life to serve. Those are the greatest, aren't they? Those are the greatest among us. It's interesting because even Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, I was reading a quote from him the other day and he said, you know, the purpose of man is the same purpose for everybody. Same purpose for all people. So the purpose of man is to, is to use your gifts to serve mankind. So even the guy that's CEO of Apple, to him as he goes through his journey, he can see clearly what Jesus said. You know, Jesus' way works. You know, you can write down those three words and meditate on them because it's true. Jesus' way works. For everything you aspire to be in your heart. Yeah, we've got to make money. We've got we to pay our bills. Amen, right? But the thing we really want to do with our life is we want our life to make a difference. To make a contribution. We want people, we want to love people, we want, to, we want our life to make a difference in this world. We just want to, we don't want to make money and be kind of people who made a lot of money, or got a lot of degrees, or got a lot of promotions. We want our life to count. Jesus can get us there. He teaches us how to love deeply. He teaches us what love means. He teaches us how to serve. He teaches us how to connect. He teaches us how to walk with God Almighty. Let's learn from Him, because here's what He says in verse 30, in verse 40. He says, A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will become like his teacher. So here's the promise. If we will become fully trained by Jesus, and if we will help each other get fully trained, and if we can point each other to Him, we're going to become like Him. And we're going to become like all those words that we mentioned in the very beginning. We're going to become compassionate. We're going to become strong. We're going to become a Savior. You know, we can be a Savior. We can be a source of salvation for, for, for our neighbors. As we love our neighbors as ourselves. We can, we can bring forgiveness to this world. We can bring all these things because we become like our teacher, because we become fully trained. But here's the thing, guys. The only way to get fully trained is to engage in this habit. To make it a habit of who you are. Every day. That you hear Jesus' words and you put them into practice. Let's turn over to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. We're going to end out here. You know, I know this works. I know this works in any country, in any culture, with any race, with any background, with any age, with any gender, with any education level, with any economic level. I've seen it work. You know, with my kids, I've seen it work. You know, we always struggle to raise our kids, don't we? Those of us who have kids. But you know, it took a lot of the pressure off of me as a dad because what we did a lot in our household is we just pointed at Jesus. We said, He's awesome, isn't He? 
And so going, oh yeah, he really is awesome. We talk about it a lot. Kind of Deuteronomy 6 is what we call it. But my kids, they're flourishing. Just like Jesus promised. Because they're hearing his words and they're putting them into practice. And we're just doing it together. It's really cool. It's really amazing. You know, there's a woman who stayed over at our house last night. Her name is Heather Ferrer. Her and her husband led the uh, youth and family ministry in, in Hartford. Uh, I met Heather when she was a single woman in San Diego at a Starbucks. Invited her out to church. She gave me her number. Afterwards, she's like, why did I give that guy my number? <laughs> she came out. She studied the Bible. She lived with us for a while. We have pictures of baptizing her down at uh, Pacific Beach. An amazing thing. Now she's the mom of two adopted kids. She got coach of the year last year in cross. She's married to an awesome guy. It works. Jesus' way works. You know, I was on campus at Washington University, the same university I was talking about a little bit earlier, and I met a guy in the bookstore. His name was Michikaka Sawamura. And he was going back to his alma mater. He had graduated a couple of years before. He was going back to his alma mater because he was feeling empty on the inside. He was going back to his old school just to find some meaning in his life. And we met in the bookstore. He became a Christian. It was really, really unusual. He became a Christian like a month later, which was super fast for a Japanese person. He became the first Japanese native evangelist appointed in the Tokyo church. Helped us with all sorts of the work around Japan. He's married to Hiromi. They live now in Guangzhou, China. Both of his kids are, are, are radiant disciples. One of them goes to Boston University where I went. Another goes to school out in, out in Colorado. He preaches the word in Chinese now. We had lunch with him not long ago and asked him, what was it, Michitaka, that helped you? He said, I just saw, I just saw the love. And it transformed him. Jesus' way works. I don't know how. But it's cool. He just kind of, kind of like, kind of like put it out there, and it's like stuff happens. You know, I met a guy named Van Owens from um, <laughs> dear, dear friend. I was praying for a dear friend as a freshman in college. He's a black guy, and he was from a tough part of Boston. I'm a white guy, sort of from the farmlands in New Jersey. Didn't have a whole lot in common. But we became brothers. He came out because he was looking for meaning in his life. He came out to stuff. And he became a Christian. And, and, uh, and it was amazing. I'll never forget the day, you know, he, he, was, he was baptized into Christ. And we became just good friends. He and his brother, Daryl, became, became a Christian as well. Daryl now is, he teaches at the police academy in Boston. He's an elder in the church in Boston. Van is a teacher in the church in Boston. And now they go around and doing... I'm hoping they can come to New York. Because they go down around and do these, these life-changing diversity conversations. But it's amazing. It's amazing what Jesus has done in these two men's lives. Incredible. There's a young woman who is uh, single. She's in her 50s. Her name is Terry. She's a doctor. Chiropractic doctor. In Boston. And she became a Christian and she, she lost her way and she left God. And she was going through her practice. She would see upwards of, of 20 people a day in her practice. But she felt empty because she felt like, here I'm trying to you know, help them physically, but I don't have anything to give them spiritually. And so Sue and her got together. And you know, she talked to Sue about that. She said, I've got I to gotta get back to God. Because I'm having an impact, yeah, but I want to have an eternal impact. I want to really help people in their whole life. 
sure enough, she uh, she was restored back to back to back to God. She found her way. She got back to the guide. She got back to Jesus. She started doing His way again. And sure enough, she's she's helped now two or three people in her practice become Christians. Stay the Bible. She's one of the most evangelistic people because she has something to share with the people around her. It works. Before we left, there was a couple that was became a Christian in our in our Bible talk in our neighborhood. We got to this Bible talk in the suburbs. There was a lot. There was very little faith because people hadn't seen people being, being impacted for, for a long time. And so it was kind of cool because we just started praying about it and said, "Hey, let's go for it." We started having evangelistic Bible talks again, inviting people to come and hear the Word of God, talked about it, having conversations. Sure enough, a, a woman called up Sue on the phone. She said, one of the sisters, and said, "Hey, I've got a coworker who needs to be encouraged. Here she is." <laughs> Says yes, she's searching for God. Why don't you share some scriptures with her? And so Sue shared Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, from a gentle and humble heart. This woman started coming around, studying the Bible, was baptized into Christ. Soon after, her husband. Soon after, there was another couple. Soon after, there was a single woman. Soon after, there was another couple in their seventies. They started studying the Bible and becoming Christians. The faith was rising in our group. And soon, not long before we, uh, we moved to New Jersey, there was another couple. And she's a CFO in her company. They were in their 50s. He's the, uh, he's the um, tech director for a town in Hingham in uh, South Boston. And an awesome couple in their 50s. But you know it works. We've had a, recently had a couple and he's a TV personality. A lot of you probably would know. And we go out to lunch together, getting to know each other. We knew each other in San Diego. We're just talking. And I know this works. In TV personalities, it doesn't really matter who you are. We're all looking for the same stuff, aren't we? We're all human beings. And we're looking for a reason to live. You know, Luke chapter 5, I just want to read this real quick. And I want to do something here for us. It's here in practice. You guys ready? Yes. I'm going to read this, and I want to ask you a question. What are you hearing? What are you hearing? Because whenever we open up the Bible, God is talking to you, man. God is talking to you, sister. And He's talking to me, right? i got to open up. So there's certain words that start to kind of come alive on the page, aren't there? Certain concepts. And you know those are the ones. God is going, pay attention to this. But look at this, and I want you to ask yourself, what are you hearing? What's God saying to you? Not to the person next to you. Not to your hope. I hope she gets this. <laughs> hope he opens up his ears and listens to this one. Nudge, nudge. You know, it's not like that. Listen for you. Because there's a promise here. You're going to hear it, and you practice it, you're going to grow. You're going to flourish. Okay, here we go. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with people standing around, crowding around him, and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down your nets for, for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, Dude, 
we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish, their nets began to break. And so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you'll catch men. And so they pulled their nets up on shore, left everything, and followed. And Peter flourished, didn't he? Peter went from the fisherman's boat to becoming one of the most influential people to ever live. James and John the same. What are you hearing? As you read this, what are some words that jump off the page for you? Let's just share, yeah? Trust me. That's huge. <laughs> trust me. And Peter had to trust him to go, okay, this doesn't make any sense at all. I'm going to throw in the nets. And there's a great catch. Awesome. Trust me. Love it. Yes. I'm sorry? Boldness. Yeah. Jesus. You're talking about Jesus' boldness? Peter's? Okay. Yeah. I mean, boldness. Living out loud. Living confidently. Love it. Yeah. I will. Good stuff. Yes. Put out deeper. Love it. Right. Underline that. That could change your life. Yeah. Don't be afraid. Okay. Awesome. So how can we practice those things? I want you to ask, them, ask yourself that question. So I will. What does that mean for you tonight? Put out deeper. How can you put that into practice? doesn't have to be a huge thing. It's just practicing it. It doesn't have to be perfection. It's just practicing. Putting out in the deep. Wow, that could... Bro, that could mean incredible things a day from now, five years from now. You, you learn to put out people, to trust me. Your life starts to change. That seed in you starts to flourish. It starts to grow. God starts having His way with your life. And you start seeing your life digging down deep. You start seeing those other problems that used to wipe you out and take you down. You start seeing yourself overcoming feeling stronger and being able to take on more. And God works His magic. God works His miracle in us. You know, guys, we have a great promise. God has created us for greatness. It comes down to a simple habit. Hear Jesus' words. Hear God's words. And put them into practice. We become the light of the world, the salt of the earth. Our lives change, our families change, our neighborhoods change, the world changes, and God gets the glory. Thank you. Amen.